Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I am Bill Knight. How are you today, sir? What is is it Wednesday already? Today is Wednesday, halfway through the week. These shows just fly by, don't they? Holy smoke. Yeah, yeah, they really do. I mean, I'm, I'm, I lose track of days easily, though. <laughs> so do I, I think I. that's my youth. Yeah, I, I think I can relate to that. Uh, last night, Tucker had maybe the best interview I've ever seen with President Trump. It was mm-hmm. uh, it was magnificent. Uh, people say, oh, well, he just uh, reiterated. No, he, you can tell that he was he was uh, hitting on all eight cylinders when you see the response from mainstream media afterwards. They're trying to tear him down and tear down Tucker for the interview. I mean, they're trying to make it um, irrelevant, minimalize the uh, the interview, and it's just not going to work. If you saw the interview, folks. Uh, you were probably as amazed as as I was. Here's a, a little segment, just a very small piece of uh, what they talked about. Last week you were in New York for this arraignment. The world watched it. You've not given an interview since. You were there, I think, 57 minutes. Tell us from your perspective what that was like. They were incredible. When I went to the courthouse, which is also a prison in a sense, uh, they signed me in. And I'll tell you, people were crying, people that worked there professionally work there that have no problems putting in murderers and they see everybody it's tough tough place and they were crying they were actually crying they said i'm sorry but you know the funny thing about it is tucker even said this i had the interview to get his reaction to the indictment and we ended up spending most of the interview talking about foreign policy you know and and it kind of surprised tucker as a matter of fact I want to play this uh, this little description right. from Tuck from Tucker. We spent more than an hour with Donald Trump today, and we were struck throughout the course of the conversation how his grasp of foreign policy, this man who was supposedly stupid, his understanding of world affairs is so much more nuanced and sophisticated and pro-American than the moronic neocons currently in charge. It was remarkable. Let's send all our ammo to Ukraine. Zelensky's like Churchill. Okay. You know, there, there's apparently uh, a message, a text message or an email that Tucker sent out years ago uh, about Trump. And apparently yeah. at the time he wasn't impressed with Trump. Oh, I, I think he might have said something like, oh, I hate the guy, you know. This is years ago. Well, it's obvious now that they have a friendly relationship. You can see it in the interview. and But the mainstream media, what do they do? The first thing they do when the interview is finished is they they search for that old message and they start posting it you know well oh, what, yeah. it's like oh see he's being duplicitous he's being a fraud tucker is he really can't stand the guy which is really kind of funny because the left can sit there and accuse us of that but when it happens to them going because they control the narrative out there like i'm looking at the tucker carlson uh, interview audio yeah. is what the search was. Mm-hmm. And there's page after page after page after page, but it's all CNN, CNN, Real Clear Politics, CNN, Newsweek, yeah. uh, MSNBC, yeah. all left-leaning things. And what they've done, they don't have the whole interview there. They have a smidget of the interview. Yeah. So they can sit there and say, well, he said this, and then come back and pontificate on it yeah. and twist the words they want to disassemble what was said and not take it in its whole 
its its whole context. Kind of like the the pursuit of the January sixth committee. Let's take let's take the incomplete sentence so that we can complete it for them and make it an entirely different story. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they will try to minimize the the whole conversation. I hope that if you didn't see the interview, I hope that uh, you can search for it and watch it, you know, again, it'll be out there. I mean, Tucker has his own website, tuckercarlson.com. I'm sure it'll be on that. It'll be on uh, probably Tucker Carlson tonight. They have a web page. At some point, it'll be there. And I would recommend that you watch it because even if you're not a fan of Trump, you will be surprised at how articulate the guy is and how knowledgeable he is about foreign policy. He talks about he talks about Xi in China and his personal relationship with Xi and how uh, there was a time when he had Xi down to Mar-a-Lago. It was the time that he sent the missiles into to Syria and mm-hmm. and took out some some bad guys and. You know, Trump says, well, I, I had about 28 minutes to make up my mind as to whether I was going to tell him at the table uh, or I, or he was going to find out from his own people, meaning Xi would find out that they had just launched missiles on Syria. So I decided to tell him face to face. And he said, uh, you know, I just, so you're not surprised. I want you to know that I just sent some missiles into to Syria uh, to take out, and he, he mentioned who it was, and I can't remember who it was. And that was when he, Xi said, repeat. And that was when I realized that Xi spoke English. Because yeah. because up until that point, every time they were talking, they had an interpreter. and He knew exactly what he heard. Exactly. And you know, the thing about an interpreter, when you have an interpreter in the room, it gives the person who's supposed to be... Uh, ignorant of the of the language, it gives them a chance to think of an answer, how they're going to put their answer together. For example, if I ask you a question in, in a certain language and it has to go through an interpreter, you've got maybe another 30 seconds to refine your thought before you open your mouth, meaning you heard what I said, you understood what I said because you speak the language, but you're pretending you don't understand the language to give you a time to to refine your answer. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's yeah. what that's what uh, Xi, I guess, uh, does. He also says that Putin speaks English. Yeah, well, you know, think about this. What year is this, 2023? Yeah. We don't really need uh, an interpreter. You don't need a person doing sign language. What you need is a little monitor, a little television screen right there in front of you. Right. And when somebody speaks... It types the language the uh, it types the language out in your language right there for you, so all you got to be able to do is read your own damn language, and then the the interpreter is there for one reason and one reason only, to distract the viewer so that, like you said, you have that little bit of time to reflect. He doesn't hear that interpreter; he's reading what's going on there in the prompter. And then when the interpreter's done, he can jump in with his answer. He's already, he's already, he already heard it or he's seen it. He yeah. knows the question. Yeah. He doesn't need an interpreter. Well, electronic. Uh, we, we, um, I highly recommend that you, if you haven't seen the interview, find it and watch it for yourself because you realize you see such a difference between 
the two leaders. Biden is lost. He's shaking hands with people in thin air. He's sniffing little girl's hair. You know, he did that yesterday again. You yeah. know, there's another picture of him sniffing s- some little girl's hair. I mean, for crying out loud, get a life, Joe. Stop that. You're the leader of the free world. Act like it. Uh, you know, he took Hunter Biden over to Ireland. He what took, uh, well, just as, as a guest of the uh, of the administration. Oh, I thought maybe for an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> well, that might have hey, been. I don't know. That might have been the case. Who knows? But uh, uh, Hunter Biden joined him on Air Force One. You know, I, I, you can't help but see the the double standards. You have you have uh, the Trump kids. If they did anything wrong, if there was a, a an iota of impropriety on their part, uh, they would be drawn and courted by the media. But yet Hunter Biden, who is a a known pervert, I mean, we've got pictures of this guy running around in his uh, jockstrap uh, with uh, women of ill repute, of him uh, doing lines of cocaine, and yet he's on Air Force One with the President of the United States. I don't care whether it's uh, his father or not. Plus, we also have a lot of questions about uh, his selling the uh, access of the presidency to uh, enemies of our country. You know, I mean, we, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, they've made us a laughing stock. And, you know, I got to tell you, President Trump was really, really concerned about nuclear war. Bill, he was really, really concerned. Everyone is. He, Everyone is. He, uh, even Tucker said, well, why aren't we hearing more of this from the administration? And he said, because we have an administration filled with really dumb people. Yeah. Really dumb people. And uh, Biden has, and I think he's done it uh, intentionally, but he has pushed us closer and closer and closer to the brink. He said there was a, there was a word you just didn't use. Uh, the leaders didn't talk about. They didn't use the N word, nuclear. It was like a, a, a they, they had a, a pack. You don't actually mention the word. It's something you don't want to get into. He said, but look at, look at Putin now. Putin is doing it in public. Putin is publicly saying, you know, we're getting close to a nuclear situation. Putin's yeah. trying to warn people. The word is out there. The weapons are out there. It's just who's going to take it out of their toy chest of, uh, to play with first. I think there's many people in the United States, you know, even though they're, they're seniors and old and wise, they're pretty damn stupid because they've forgotten what these things really are and what they really do. And they're going, well, you know, I'm at an age. I really don't care anymore. Let's find out what happens if we play with one. You know, it's like that forbidden firework in your bag of goodies on the 4th of July. What does it do? I don't know, but they said you better be back 100 feet when it goes off. You know, Trump was asked, do you think uh, it's Biden? And Trump said, well, I don't really think it's Biden himself. He no. he seemed to be saying Biden's too out of it to really be the decision maker. He's a puppet. He's yeah. a puppet, and they're pulling his strings. Now, I think Jill has a little bit of knowledge, you know, because she's the puppet's handler, you know, and that's all there is to it. Let's be yeah. honest with it. Because, yeah. you know, people have been asking, Al Roker sat there and said at the Easter egg hunt, 
you know, are you going to be uh, around to roll out many more eggs, you know, before <laughs> uh, you... Yeah. <laughs> and which I thought, clever line, clever line there. But, you know, Biden did come forward and uh, what was it? Uh, he basically, he he said about running in uh, twenty. He said he wants he said, to run, but he hasn't made it a, an official statement yet. Yeah, he announced that he officially hasn't announced. Is right. basically what he's done. But he wants to he wants to run. Yeah, he wants to run, but and then Jill came back and said, "No, no, you're running." No, all they want to do, he's a placeholder. He is a placeholder at the table. Yeah. And they just want to be sure that they have the head placeholder and that name is Joe Biden. Once the election is on us and he wins by a landslide because everybody loves Joe. Joe has done no wrong. They asked, who do you, who do you uh, think will be the candidate if it's not Biden? He said, well, it could be Harris, but she hasn't performed well on the on the big stage nationally. And uh, I don't think they want her. So uh, they're kind of stuck. I, I heard something interesting. Um, Roger Stone, who's a friend of President Trump, said, you know, President Trump, you might want to consider for vice president uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's announced that he wants to run for president as a Democrat, but uh, it might be an amazing uh, ticket if you reach across the aisle because you have so much in common with uh, with Robert Kennedy Jr. <laughs> that, uh, I mean, and I thought to myself initially, oh, that's ridiculous. But then if you've watched Robert Kennedy Jr. over, especially during the pandemic, the guy is articulate. The guy's done a, no lot, action, yeah. a, a lot of thinking. He could be uh, uh, the, the smartest Democrat on the landscape. And he, and he seems to be a, a very honest guy. Well, uh, well, the Democrats use that as an opportunity to say, we will have a guaranteed Democrat back in. Now we got to get to them. Because they know how to get to people. Good people, they know how to get to them. I think, and, I don't know, I think, I think he's one of these Democrats that uh, he's really not touchable. He's, again, a multimillionaire on his own, so he doesn't need the money or the... Uh, the the influ well, the influence he what he he's kind of like Trump he's an he's an outsider now it's hard to believe that somebody who's a, related to quote Camelot and that whole Kennedy uh, family could be an outsider but actually it's been so long I think the guy probably is an outsider you know well it, if he's an outsider and they can't they can't bring him over then he'll be a dead crat well somebody even asked him. Uh, aren't you afraid uh, you're running for the presidency? Aren't you afraid of uh, what happened to your father and your uncle? And he I think said, he's beyond that. And he said, no, no, I'm not. Uh, I'd be a little concerned. I mean, it, they assassinated your dad and your uncle. I mean, uh, you know, and I heard somebody, I heard Jeff Cooner on uh, WRKO in Boston this morning. And the first time I heard him say this, but uh, it's something we've said many, many times that uh, I'm afraid for President Trump because we don't put anything past the deep state as to what they might do to keep Trump from being president. He actually mentioned the assassination word this morning. And I agree with him. I, I mean, we've said that here, that, and that's the one thing. You know, I have my doubts whether Trump is going to make it to 2024, not because of his policies, not because of him, not because people don't want him to be there, 
not because the populace doesn't like him, but because there is a cabal. Yeah. Because there's no other way to put it. You know, so I'm not really talking conspiracy. Give me a name for what I'm talking about other than cabal. Let's let's give that deep faction state. a name. Deep state. Well, the deep state is yeah. conspiracy too. Let's you know, let's let's identify this. But what piece. do they say, Bill? This it's piece. only it's only a conspiracy until it becomes the truth. <laughs> well, it is the truth. But the point is, is they don't care who lives or dies. There is life means nothing to those people. Not even I don't even think their own life is because they're demons. And demons, you know, they can take a knife and sliver off a piece of skin, mm -hmm. and that skin will grow into them again. You know, they are that evil. They're just, they've been around for a millennia, and they're going to be around for another millennia. They are evil. They're not. These are the people who want they're not real. nuclear war. They are not real. They, can, they are the demons they, of the earth. They can actually accept Collateral damage. Collateral damage. They can collateral accept Collateral damage is just to make us feel good. They don't care. Right. The collateral damage is people dying, folks. But it, it actually makes it easier for them to accept it. They're not, yeah. say, they're not saying, oh, well, we killed a bunch of innocent people. No. They're collateral damage. You know, it, it, right. it makes it just easier for them to accept it. I do think that we have a lot of these people in government. And right. it's and I think that they're being funded by uh, some very nefarious people out there, mm -hmm. guys like Soros. Look at the damage that Soros has done to our country. I mean, you know, and, and someone said it's not just our country. If you go to other countries around the world, key countries, he's been putting his money into them too. He's That's absolutely he, right. He's, he's messing up the world. You know, and that this is a guy who, by the way, is despised by his home country. Hungry. They yeah, want you got to wonder, though, with all the money that he's throwing out there, nobody's really done the math. But let's just sit there. You know, he's he's a billionaire several times over. But he's not the richest man in the world, never has been. All right? So when does his money run out? It just seems to be that Do it realize runs out. When you have a, a, a billion dollars right. just on the interest alone every day, you can just let's say you wanted to spend it as quickly as possible. I you'd have a hard time keeping up. If you were spending, if I was handing a million dollars out to my friends, thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna get rid of this money, the interest is gonna probably beat you. I mean, you kind of like that old movie back in I forget what decade it was with um, Richard Pryor, Brewster's Millions. To, you know, he was given so much money, yeah. But in order to get the big big jackpot. Yeah. He had to spend all of this money. Right. And that was his job. And it it became a damn near impossibility. Yeah. You know, but he was able to pull it off. But can you, know, you imagine, Bill, can you imagine seriously if if you uh you, you, you get someone like uh, Alvin Bragg, you want to influence this guy, you put a, a million dollars into his his lousy campaign. A million dollars for Soros is nothing. He can lose that in a heartbeat, and it, he wouldn't even miss it. Uh, Here's the problem with Alvin Bragg. You know, if he pulls this off, it's not him that pulled it off. It's the powers that supported him because he's just the puppet. He's the face of this lawsuit. But he's going to get such a big ego, and he's going to think that he did this. I did this. I'm Mr. Lawman. And then he's going to get taken down, or he's going to 
get depressed and jump out a window. It's, you know, he doesn't see he what's in store for him. If he could predict the future or see the future, it is not a bright future. Jim Jordan's committee uh, uh, subpoenaed Alvin Bragg. He wants to have some questions answered because Bragg has admitted to have used federal funds to go after President Trump. And as soon as you use federal funds, you become accountable to Congress. You have right. you have uh, you have to explain yourself. He doesn't want to explain himself, and he's actually he's sued Jim Jordan, and he said, uh, "Let me see whether I can." Uh, he's uh, saying that they that, that Trump and uh, Jim Jordan uh, actually threatened him, which is the big word that the Democrats use in all their defenses or challenges. Well, he threatened. You know, Trump threatened Stormy Daniels. Well. You know, when you're talking about so-and-so, they threatened. Yeah. You know, they have these key words and narratives. He says, uh, Always uh, the same. Jim Jordan wrote, responded to the uh, lawsuit from Alvin, Alvin Bragg. He said, uh, first, they indict a president for no crime. Then they sue to block congressional oversight when we ask questions about the federal funds that they use to do it. How many times did you hear uh, when they were bringing... Trump up to New York, no person is above the law. No man is above the law. But yet Bragg is trying to say he's above the law. Congress says you use federal funds. We have a right to ask you these questions. Elise Stefanik, the uh, representative from upstate New York, had a few words to say about Bragg's countersuit. Line. Uh, I've been very clear. This is a political witch hunt. This was a, a non-case that was passed on by the Department of Justice, by the U.S. attorneys, and Alvin Bragg ran on prosecuting Donald Trump. This is political. It's about the individual, not about the case. Uh, and I think as more and more facts are out there, people are going to see that this is a case that is just a political prosecution. We also have an important role because federal dollars were utilized in this prosecution. There were also two individuals that worked in the Manhattan DA's office that ended up leaving and wrote a book about the need to take on politically Donald Trump. Uh, so I think it's it's political prosecution that the, that Trump has been facing, frankly, since 2016. And I think Alvin Bragg should be held accountable, and he will be held accountable. And he should testify under oath before Congress. Elise Stefanik, she's a representative from upstate New York, and uh, I think she's right. I think he's going to end up having to go in front of Congress, no matter how much he tries to avoid the issue. Oh, but he's going to scream. But you know what? I, I, I think fight that, all the way. I think that this is the time the Republicans gotta, have got to stop dancing around the, uh, the whole issue. You know, in the past, the Republicans would back away from a confrontation. They would say, oh, we want to do this or we want to do that. But then when push came to shove, they didn't do it. This is the time that they've got to say, enough. You're coming down here, or we're going to send some U.S. Marshals to your office and put you in handcuffs and escort you to our, our halls down here in Congress. You are going to testify. Well, they've made that kind of threat before to uh, Republicans to uh, go before the January 6th committee. So, you know, yeah. we got to get tough. we got to sit there and... Uh, and make it a really nail-biting moment for them if they resist, because well, we, uh, we've got to we got to lay the heavy hand. We we've basically got when you really think about it, mm -hmm. uh, we've got a year and a half, and in a year and a half, 
the field changes again. New yeah. president, new Congress, more the Senate changes. The Senate will change big time. And you, you can't tell me that quietly in the background, the Democrats are not working to sit there and take the House and take the Senate. They've got a machine that is well-tuned to do all of this. It's, I'm not saying it's legal. But I'm saying they got a well-tuned machine. You know, you said a year and a half, and uh, boy, uh, that seems like an awfully long time. That but seems it's not. Like all, but it seems like all the time in the world that he needs to to destroy our country. I'm talking about how Biden. long has he been in office? He's been in office officially about two years. Uh, we've got about another year, a little over a year before we have the elections, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, but the point is. I don't know whether we're going to make it. We're, we're pushing people t- towards war. We're pushing China towards war. China will never have a better opportunity to take Taiwan than right now. Well, you know, and it could be the Democrats' Hail Mary move. They don't care about Taiwan. Apparently they don't, or they wouldn't let this uh, be going on the way it is right now. But then again, maybe America doesn't care because we wouldn't be putting up with Biden and Kamala and what's going on in the White House right now unless we really cared or understood what's at stake. And do we and do we? By the way, yesterday you and I talked about the ABC Ipsos poll, which came out and said that uh, suddenly Trump was uh, on the downside of uh, right. the, the pie. Apparently that's, that's the outlier poll. Apparently that's the poll that doesn't have any of the polls matching it. It's like, uh, where did this come from? Because all the other polls have Trump leading by massive amounts. And they talked about uh, about the polls last night on the interview. And Trump and Tucker were amazed at how strong he looked in the polls. Now, mind you, they, they I'm sure they know about the ABC Ipsos poll because the interview was done yesterday. And uh, it didn't seem to have any effect on what on how they felt about where they were going you know if it was something which was was a, a, a drastic change for all the polls then i'm sure they would have talked about it but instead they talked about how strong he looked in all the polls so right. uh, they, like i said there's a term called outlier in statistics and apparently that abc ipsos poll was an outlier it's and we talked about it yesterday it's one of those polls where you go out and you can actually uh, manipulate the results of the poll if you want to. You can steer it in a certain direction by asking the right questions to the right people. Um, Amazing how that works. It, it really is. Another interesting thing uh, they talked about yesterday in the news is that uh, Christopher Ray and the FBI, Right? would you believe that they're trying to, or they've had uh, agents going into Catholic churches to spy on the Catholic churches. They've actually, the report is they've actually tried to get people who, who attend uh, these churches to be their, you know, their confidential in, informer, you know, the CI. And, and I'm sure that there are people that will do that. And this is, this is phase one of the assault on the church. It's not the, just the attack. This is the assault on the church. And they will go into the Catholic Church, hmm. and then they will start going into probably the evangelical, uh, the evangelical, uh, yeah, evangelical t- churches. 
And then they'll go into the regular Judeo-Christian churches, Jehovah's Witness. If you understand socialism, they don't like religion, folks. They just don't like religion because it it goes against their uh, storyline. They don't want. But they will radicalize the church, and they they'll look at the Catholic Church as the biggest, the most radical. Then I would say the uh, the invent, uh, the I can't even say the word. That's okay. Yeah, even. that that one. Yeah. And then they probably go after <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses. Yep. Now, will they go after probably one of the biggest religions out there, Muslim? Will they go after that? Well, that that's always been kind of like. Uh, or is that that's sacred? Uh, uh, yeah, it's untouchable. Cow. That you don't want to. You don't want to do that. Uh, right now, it's but, much, but much it, easier it for them. It will be on the radar it, somewhere down the road. much easier for them to go after uh, Christians. It's politically correct, believe it or not. Yeah, look what happened in the Ukraine. This guy in the Ukraine who they, t- they call the uh, Ukrainian Churchill. What a joke. One of the things he's yeah. done with his government is to close down the churches. You know, he's closed down the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. The biggest church in the Ukraine. He he doesn't want them to have services. He wants them to be quiet because they may go against his story. You know, no. and, and and I don't know where we're going in the Ukraine. They even asked President Trump this last night. He said, "I don't know where the Joe has an end game to the Ukraine." Well, he doesn't have an end game. But the interesting thing is, the big news has been. Uh, the, U- uh, the Ukraine war documents, the leaked documents, and that is making big hay. And now they're saying, well, we don't know, um, you know, if the leak has been sealed or contained. It apparently hasn't. And stand by, there may be more secret government, maybe war documents, but stuff that is really highly classified that may leak out of the DOJ. You know, when you live in a glass house, you know, filled you with should, secrets, you should don't run stones. around like you're Joe Biden in the White House naked. Cobra, <laughs> cobra, cobra, because everybody yeah. sees the cobra. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but we, we should understand for people who are new to the show, when he was vice president, his Secret Service code, his Secret Service uh, nickname was Cobra. And, and they would yeah. use that term when he was running around the vice president's estate uh, naked. Apparently, Joe uh, likes to relax. With, with, yeah, to relax without clothes. And which is, oh, God, some people, they must think so much of themselves. But uh, um, they would say on, into their wrist phones, uh, cobra, cobra, cobra. Uh, we have cobra on the loose in the uh, pool area, meaning don't bring anybody by who uh, would be embarrassed to see the vice president naked. Uh, yeah. But our top secret war documents of how we will fight in the Ukraine, what we're going to do, who we're going to hit, how we're going to do it, somehow the document got out yeah. all over the place. But you're going, well, it's just one document. Well, you have them saying, well, we have not contained the leak, which means they know that there are more documents that have been leaked. They just haven't been yeah. floated to the surface yet. We you know, are we are in such dire straits right now, folks, because getting back to uh, Taiwan, uh, I that could that could be a, a hot war within a matter of days, matter of hours. You well, never if there's know. There's a document about Taiwan and China and how we're going to take out China. Do you think? 
China's going to uh, go, oh, well, it's yeah, don't worry about it. We know about it now. Nothing going to happen. Or are they going to go, oh, really? Yeah. So you plan that. What else are you planning? Why don't we just confront this devil right now? We got a problem in the White House, in the DOJ, in the Oval Office, and friends, they're all connected. You got to sit there. You got rats running around your house. You going to live with them? President Trump said uh, China has hypersonic missiles with a 1,600-mile range, I, which I thought was interesting that they said that. That almost seemed like a secret. 1,600-mile range, that means that if we send our, our carriers into uh, the, the South China Sea, they're all within hypersonic missile range. I mean, they could, be, they could take them out before they knew a missile was coming at them. And yeah, and they are sophisticated. They they those ships are designed by nature to well by design to sit there and do more damage from afar. They can do damage up close, but the closer you get, the quicker your response time has right. got to be. I would not stay. I would sit there and find out where I could station that ship and do the inflict the most damage, and yet defend itself. You know, you're not. There's nowhere you can be that's 100 percent defendable. I just think we have most defendable place. I just can't help but think that we have some of the dumbest military people right now uh, in Washington running our operations. Uh, Yeah, if I if I'm going to float a a nuclear vessel there, yeah, it's not going to be an aircraft carrier that that travels above water where you can see it and detect it. It's going to be a sub that goes underwater, right? And it's not where going to be where you think it's going to be, but it's going to be somewhere where it can inflict the most pain and damage as quick as possible, yeah. and you not be able to answer it. And I wouldn't be parading my ships through the uh, the no. Taiwanese Strait there, like you said. It's blocked on on two sides. It's a, like a sitting duck. duck. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, we're in dangerous times. We really, are. I think, I think there will be a shooting war very soon. In Taiwan, whether or not Biden uh, stands by his uh, promise to to stand with Taiwan uh, is yet to be seen. I well, don't I, I don't know whether he has the backbone. Well, my question is, I don't know the exact price tag of the Gerald R. Ford. What eighty three billion dollars or eighteen billion dollars? Either way, it's it's a boatload of money, so right. to speak. You know, how important is that money to Biden? Apparently, it's not that important because. We've left hardware on the ground in Afghanistan. Money means nothing to him because it's not his. He doesn't care. It's ours, and we can work harder and and be taxed more to give them more so he can sit there and give it away. Yeah. You know, this is crazy. Some people believe that the Russians can lose in the Ukraine, but Trump seemed to say yesterday, "Don't don't believe it for a second. I mean, it's it's almost like he was saying that uh, the Russians haven't used everything they got. They they're 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 not uh, going as hard as they could go in the Ukraine because it is close. They don't want to wipe it off the map. the The reason for the skirmish is they want that. If they didn't want the land, they would just sit there and soil the ground and be done with it. Yeah, and and do away with it. But you know. The Ukraine, at some point in time, in a global conflict, is inconsequential. Who cares about the Ukraine? Let's let's take out the big enemy that happens to be 
helping the little guy, and then we can go in there and sweep that bad boy up. What he did say was, he said, Putin thinks of the Ukraine as a part of Russia, pure and simple. He doesn't believe it's a separate country. He believes it's part of Russia, and that's why he wants it back. That's why he wants it to be included in the the Russian footprint. And... uh, you know, I, I can't. Is that a bad thing for the Ukraine? Well, I mean, I was thinking if Texas said, okay, I'm, we're going to be a separate country and not part of the United States anymore, would you think that the federal government would say, no, 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 uh, we, want, we want you back in the fold. You are part of us. You are a state. You are not an independent country. And it would probably go to war with Texas to make darn sure that uh, they got them back in the fold. And and, yeah. and I think that's kind of like the situation that, that Putin has with the Ukraine. He's trying to get uh, part of what he thinks is his country back together again. Um, exactly. So I don't know whether, I, I keep thinking to myself, what is the NATO endgame here? What do they expect to do? Will they stop? If the war ends in the Ukraine, will everything stop or is there something more that they're trying to do? Are they trying to get rid of Putin and his regime in in Moscow? Are they going to annex Crimea back into the fold? Do they want to get Crimea back into the Ukraine? You know, back in 2014, it it was taken back by uh, Russia. Do they want that back in the fold? Boy, I mean, there's so many questions and I don't think... There are questions, but uh, we don't have all the answers, do they? No, we don't. Uh, Anyway... I do have a piece of uh, interesting audio. Uh, it talks about uh, the getting back to the FBI and uh, them spying on on churches and the Latin Mass, which I think is amazing. I just that's, understand something, folks. If you're not Catholic, maybe you don't know this, so I'll, I'll explain it to you. But up until 1963, all masses in the Catholic Church were performed in Latin. It wasn't mm-hmm. like it was a secret because they would have in the in the missals in the books the booklets, they would have translations. You knew that what they were saying on the altar, but the actual service itself was done in Latin because it was a 2,000-year-old tradition. It was something which they've done day in and day out for, for hundreds of years. That's why they did it. And then came Pope John Twenty-Third. He came along in 1963, and he wanted to be more ecumenical, and he wanted to be uh, more in in line with the rest of the world, so he started doing the English masses and the masses of the native countries, and the Latin mass fell by the wayside. And then there was a, even a swing back in the church where they didn't want anyone performing the Latin mass. But finally, uh, where it stands right now is churches can do like one if they want to a week a Latin mass. It's not uh, verboten per se, but uh, it's also not promoted. But uh, it's not something which should be spied upon because there's nothing really uh, illegal about uh, what's going on. It's just a, uh, it's a Christian service, that's all. Degan McDowell and Sean Duffy do a show on Fox Business called uh, Degan and Duffy. And uh, they had Jim Jordan on, and they were talking about the spying uh, by the FBI on the Catholic Church. Listen. FBI Director Christopher Wray over a memo that the Bureau sought to cultivate sources in Catholic churches uh, that use the Latin Mass in order to combat domestic extremism. Sean and I reported on this as soon as it happened. This memo yeah. came out of the Richmond Field Office and drew criticism even from 
well, he, of course, from Ray himself, he did condemn the memo when he was asked about it last month. Listen to this, Congressman. When I first learned of the piece, I was aghast. As you should be. Uh, and we took steps uh, immediately to uh, withdraw it uh, and remove it from FBI systems. Uh, it does not reflect FBI standards. We do not conduct investigations based on religious affiliation or practices, full stop. But, Congressman, they were trying to had every, yeah. this was signed off on by FBI officials, including yeah. uh, an attorney in the Richmond field office. They were planning to right. cultivate clergy to rat out members That's of their parishes and churches. How far did this go? How many field offices got the memo? How many, yeah. how widespread is this? Well, we know it was sent to more than just Richmond. So Richmond put together the memorandum, and you're exactly right. They were trying to develop sources within the Catholic Church, develop informants within Catholic parishes to, to spy, I guess, on, on fellow parishioners. Now, that, that's frightening in and of itself. But as you point out, two senior analysts signed off on this and the chief division counsel. So the top lawyer in the Richmond field office signed off on this. I, I wonder where this person went to law school, because this is such an attack on the First Amendment. And I don't know that, I mean, it's good that they pulled this and they stopped it, as Chris Ray said, but would they have done that if we didn't find out about it, if we didn't have brave whistleblowers come forward and tell us what was going on? So this is as wrong as it gets. And when you read through the, the somewhat unredacted copy that we got, there's still redactions in, but when you read through it, you can sort of read between the lines, look at the footnotes where they talk about pro-life Catholics, they talk about the Dobbs decision. They were really targeting people just like Sean and his family, pro-life Catholics, pro-life traditional that's who they're defining as radical traditional Catholics. They're just pro-life Americans, pro-life Catholics who are going to church every Sunday. And to think that some, some element of the clergy or some other layperson that's, that's in their church leadership is actually reporting back to the FBI on their activities is truly frightening. You know, I've, I often go to Latin Mass. And if I listen, I serve in Congress as well, uh, Congressman Jordan. And of all the places you'd want to look for radical extremism, those who go to the Catholic Mass are the least likely people to be radical extremists the nicest, holiest, most generous people you'll come of across, course. but they don't agree with the regime. The regime says, if you don't agree with us right. on abortion and politics, we're going to come for you. And listen, when I first read this, Jim, I, I you know, listen, this was a, a memo. But now, as we dig a little deeper, we find out that they had an over, uh, undercover agent inside one of the churches that helped yep. them produce the memo. So they've already infiltrated the church um, and wanted yep. to go even further. I wonder if this is just the beginning to spy on America. Americans. Yeah, t two things. One, Sean, when you re read through this, I mean, the, the family you think about is you and Rachel's family, like good Catholic families who are, you know, God bless it. That's that's who you think, like, that's who they're going after. That's who they're saying is radical. So that's scary in and of itself. But then when you view it in the broader picture, we know we learned four weeks ago that the FTC sent several letters to a private company saying, who are the journalists you're talking to? They named four personally. Two of those four came and testified in front of our committee. While they're testifying, Democrat members of Congress asked those two journalists, who are your sources? While they're getting those kind of questions from Democrats, the IRS is knocking on one of those journalists' door. I mean, and then you put all that together with what's happened to parents, to Catholics, to pro-lifers from the FBI, and you're thinking like, wow, this is why we formed the committee under Speaker McCarthy to look into how agencies have been turned on the American people, and we think targeting the American people instead of serving serving them like they're supposed to. When will you, when will you be able to 
talk to, interview, again, grill uh, Christopher Wray? Well, we, we want the documents, we want the unredacted version of this memo. We want the documents that were, you know, going back and forth when they developed this memo. And frankly, we want to talk to the people who wrote it and approved it. So we'd like to talk to those individuals. And then at some point, Christopher Ray, Ray will be in front of our committee sometime between now and the, and the summer break of Congress. We expect to have Christopher Ray in for his annual trek to, uh, to the Judiciary Committee. And we'll have a lot of questions for him. Some of them uh, certainly will be about this issue. Americans have got to get angry. Americans have got to get angry and stop this nonsense. This is the actions of uh, a rogue state, the actions of a communist socialist state. To, to have agents spying in churches on, uh, on any religion, any religion. You mentioned the Muslim faith. We shouldn't be having uh, operatives in, a, in a, uh, a Muslim church. We shouldn't have operatives in a Baptist church, a Catholic church, an Episcopalian Any church. church. Well, there's a separation of church and state. It's, religious freedoms, it's one of the things we stand for in this country. And these, well, you know, re- religious freedom can start right at home. So, you know, does that give them, you know, extra, you know, authority to come into your house, you know, because of the religion you practice? Uh, Absolutely. I'll give, credit where credit, I'll give credit where credit is uh, due, uh, Greg Gutfield kind of asked the question on uh, Fox News. Is is uh, he was wondering if the Biden administration, the White House, replaced the Charmin in the White House restrooms with the Constitution, which you know <laughs> apparently they have because that's the way they're treating the Constitution these days. That's exactly right. They are not following the Constitution. They want to take away our rights. I mean, they send essentially FBI SWAT teams to yeah. the homes of. Uh, of people who are pro-life, pro-life people. They, they, yeah. if you go and you demonstrate peacefully in front of a, uh, an abortion clinic, and then they have your, they have your address, they'll go pick you up and bring you in. Why? They use the RICO act on these people, uh, racketeering. Come on. This is, this is, uh, not the country that my dad fought for, and uh, for, for a lot of people uh, gave their all for. This is, they're turning our country upside down. You know, Bill, before I, I, I run out of time, I know we're, we're once again, uh, the, the clock right. is showing its ugly self on the wall. I wanted to play this for you. I found this last night. The piece is called California, all right? You can relate all to right. this. This is your home state. And I want you to hear this. Um, I didn't realize all the information that it comes out in this uh, recording, but it's it's mind blowing. Listen. Pat Brown's father, Edmund Joseph Brown, was known for running scams and gambling operations in San Francisco. With the help of businessman William Newsom II. Pat Brown became governor of California for two terms. During his governorship, he awarded the Squaw Valley concession contract to William Newsom III and his partner, John Pelosi. The deal was criticized for the state of California paying for everything and getting nothing. William Newsom III grew up with the governor's son, Jerry, who was training to be a Jesuit priest. John Pelosi's son, Paul, 
married Nancy D'Alessandro, daughter of Thomas D'Alessandro Jr., who was known for smuggling heroin into the U.S. with Lucky Luciano and the Baltimore Mafia. John Pelosi's son, Ron, married William Newsom's daughter, Barbara. Over ongoing disputes about the Squaw Valley concession, William Newsom Sr. threatened to hurt the governor politically, just as Governor Brown was running for a third term against Ronald Reagan. He lost. But eight years later, the former governor's Jesuit son, Jerry, reclaimed the governorship in 1974. He appointed William Newsom III to a Placer County judgeship in 1975, and three years later, to the State Court of Appeal. William Newsom was an attorney for oil magnate J. Paul Getty, named in the 1966 Guinness Book of World Records as the world's richest private citizen. And while serving on the appellate bench in the 1980s, he helped Getty's son, Gordon, secure a change in state trust law that allowed him to claim his share of a multi-air trust. After Newsom retired from the bench, he became administrator of the Getty Trust and provided seed money for his son, Gavin Newsom, Nancy Pelosi's nephew, to start the Plump Jack business that led to a career in San Francisco politics as mayor of San Francisco and lieutenant governor of the state of California. Gavin Newsom was informally adopted by the Gettys after his parents divorced, and recently succeeded family friend Jerry Brown to be the current governor of California. For 80 years, these four families have ruled over the state of California politically. And with the help of Kamala Harris, Maxine Waters, Adam Schiff, and Dianne Feinstein, California's uncontrollable state government spending has amounted to over $2 trillion in debt and the highest tax rates in the country. The homelessness population is on the rise so much that a typhus outbreak has reached epidemic levels. Thousands of needles from illicit drugs litter the streets. They have made California a sanctuary state. They have been steadily chiseling away at the Second Amendment. They have passed laws for mandatory vaccinations. And they continue to aggressively oppose our president on every front. On October 1st, 2016, right before Donald Trump won the election, President Obama transferred full control of the internet from the US government to an independent California nonprofit organization. In a cyber war scenario, the US government may not have control over the internet, even if it secures military and government domains and IP addresses. The targets in cyber warfare are likely to be civilian, and the U.S. government requires private sector infrastructure to operate. Since the internet underpins our computer systems, electrical grids, communication systems, and other critical infrastructure, our entire civilian society could be at risk. Who controls California? Who controls the four families? 
What is a republic? All right. The, the bad guy, you know, always portrays themselves as the good guy. And they always do that all the time. I mean, that, that's, they, they try to cast onto the person that they're attacking. Yeah. You know, they're, they're bad and still they're good. You know, like they suck your life out of you and, and assume that they're, they're like a changeling, I guess, you know, they're, they're not real. I got another little, little piece of audio to play. This was at a wrestling tournament in, in Missouri, in Independence, Missouri. And there were hundreds of little kids who were seated around the, uh, the ring, you know, they were, they were on wrestling mats and they were chanting this. Let's go, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> it all started with one dad, and the kids took it over, I guess. <laughs> you got to love it. But they were, they were just into it, and there were hundreds of them. And uh, I thought that was... That was promising for the youth of our nation. <laughs> They're not all doomed. <laughs> well, we, we hope not. Bud Light, by the way, in the news, the uh, distributors of Bud Light now mm-hmm. around the country, they're going, boy, uh, we're going to have to start laying off uh, people in their, uh, in their warehouse, the, the distribution centers. And they're not a part of Budweiser. Yeah. They have the rights to distribute. You know, boy, did they get the wrong card in that that bunch there. That because now, thanks to Budweiser and Anheuser Busch, and uh, you know Mulvaney, uh, I don't know how go. Budweiser recovers from this. I don't well, know but, but, unless they unless they fire their marketing director, unless they pull all the cans from you know with this guy with this guy's face on it, and unless they actually make a public statement apologizing to their customers because they were mistaken. Sometime. I would never buy the product again, and that is me. Maybe you would, but, you know, if you understand what they were doing and why they were doing it and the fact that the parent company allowed it, hell of them. They're so, not an so, American company so what anymore. You're, what you're saying is for all we do, this bud's not for you. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I'm saying because Anheuser-Busch was an American company. Yeah, They sold years ago to InBev. Right. Yeah, InBev, and it's not an American company. So, therefore, they made a stupid mistake. Take your stupid mistake home with you yeah. and keep it there and your other products, too. What an opportunity for... beers out there if you're going to drink a beer. What an opportunity for uh, another light beer to come along and say, we're all American and we're unabashedly so. You know, if you're not going to drink Budweiser, because we all know what they're doing, you're going to love our beer. I, I mean, I would, I would do a, a, a full court press if yeah, I were do another. A par- do a whole parody on the thing and just yep. shove it down their throat because they can't use this whole thing. Was Bud Light used to always use those irreverent, funny commercials? You know that yeah. the, you all remember them. They're iconic commercials. But they said they would replace those commercials or this new president marketing director mm. with these said, well, we had to step it up. Oh, you stepped it up. All right. Uh, to a whole new playing field. And you go, you go take that to your boss and show them what a great job. They've that, already uh, lost millions of dollars, folks, millions of dollars in beer sales. Well, that's just the way it goes. Kevin O'Leary is in the news. Mm-hmm. He uh, said yesterday that he is going to invest 
Yeah, to build a new U.S. oil refinery to do the right thing for America. Well, you know, that's great. I don't know how the Biden administration will do that, but we probably do. You know, our refineries are old. We haven't put the money into them. Joe's shut them down. We're not drilling or pumping anymore. But at some point in time, we're going to turn that bus around and go, we've got to get self-sufficient again. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what... This guy is seeing I think an he, I think he probably figures it's going to take a couple of years, maybe a little longer, to build one of these refineries. And hopefully by the time it's it's online, we have a new administration. Emails are showing that uh, the Biden administrations, uh, they knew about uh, the Mar-a-Lago raid. They assisted and uh, played dumb all along. Yeah, that's the really? FBI. So, that's the FBI, too. The FBI and the administration, yeah. hand in hand. Yeah, and so, but Joe had all those thousands of documents going, oh, no, no, there's documents over there. <laughs> oh, I wasn't president when yeah. I took my It was home, right but, next to my Corvette, yes. Yeah, it was <laughs> next to my Corvette. And, you know, they're, they're not going to take the documents. They're going to take the tor- Corvette. You know, you know that. Come on. Come on. Oh, gosh. Come on. Hey, folks, if you want to get in touch with us, you can call us at 833-538-7868, 833-538-7868. Mail at itsanotherday.com. There's also a mail at crnamerica.com. Any way you can get in touch with us, which is your choice, mail or by phone, please do. We'd love to hear from you. And, of course, uh, President Biden is in Ireland right now, and I think he's singing. Every single word. Yeah. And what's really amazing is he can give you a whole new, fresh story behind the lyrics of that song each and every time he sings it. He can Absolutely. tell you what it meant and when he was a child. And he can do it while he's sniffing someone's hair. Oh, yes, he really can. Yeah, he's amazing. The Voice of Freedom, CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com. It has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us, too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, what do you do when you only have 260 million? <laughs> 